Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host, and today our topic is 10 Things All New Therapists Should Know About Their First Job. So this is exactly what I wish somebody had told me when I got out of college. So, number one, it is a job, meaning that there is good stuff to a job, and there are things that you're not used to. But no matter what it is, it's an opportunity to learn. And so as a therapist coming right out of graduate school, I interview a ton of people. We have a multi-level interview process at P which means that I do a lot of interviews before we get to actually make a hire. We do a lot of interviews to find people that we match with and they match with us. And a lot of times what I'll hear is people say, oh, well, yeah, I don't want to do that and I don't want to do this. And I'm thinking, oh, right out of graduate school, I don't think I would ever say I don't want to do a certain thing because how do you know you hadn't done it? So it's a job, meaning you might have to do stuff that you don't think you really want to do, but unless you try it, how do you know? Because in your first job, there are so many opportunities to learn how you work best. I mean, that's a lot of what a first job is, is just getting your workflow down, understanding how you work best. Do you work best in a small environment? Do you work best in a larger environment? Do you like to change your location every day? Or do you like to stay in one spot all day every day? And that's fine too. Do you like to have an opportunity to work in a gym with a bunch of other people? Or do you like, I like to work more just by myself in one therapy room? All of those are opportunities to learn. And so you may end up finding yourself in a place where you might think you don't like it, but you may love it. And so you need to give yourself the opportunity. So it's a job. You're going to be able to do things you think you really love. And then you're going to do stuff that you don't know that you love or that you might not love as much. But it's an opportunity. And so if you go into it like, oh, I don't want to do that. Number one, you don't want to be that person. And then number two, you've not allowed yourself some opportunities that otherwise you would have had. So that's number one. It's a job. Number two. As a therapist, you're brand new at this job and you've had clinicals, you've had lots of classes, you've had a lot of practice doing stuff, but it's going to take you longer to write your daily notes. It's going to take you longer to write your avows. It's going to take you longer to write your letters of medical necessity. You really don't know what you're doing with any of that stuff. It's just going to take you longer because you're new. So don't confuse novice and new with what you think is overloaded at work because a daily note should take you three to five minutes. And at first, it's going to probably take you 10 to 15. And the only way to get better at it is just to keep doing it and then ask for help. So own where you are. Own your newness. It is a gift to be new because then you can say, hey, I don't know how to do this. People love to tell people stuff. And if you tell somebody, look, I want to learn from you, then you're giving them a gift and an opportunity to share their knowledge. So own your newness and ask for help. And don't confuse your novice and newness with being overloaded at work and overwhelmed. Yeah, you're going to be overwhelmed and yeah, you're going to be overloaded, but a lot of it is just you and the fact that you really don't know what you're doing yet. So also give yourself a break. Cut yourself a little slack and don't think that novice means you don't know what you're doing because you're brand new. You have to get better at this. You have to give yourself some more time. You do know what you're doing. You've got this degree. You've got this foundation. But to put it all into practice in real time, that's tough. And it takes some time. So cut yourself some slack. Don't be too hard on you. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And own your newness. We've all been there, done that. How can you get to be old unless you're new? So own it. Be happy about it. Number three, therapists went to school to work with people. 
That is what we do. We see people. You know, all of graduate school was about how to help people. So there should be people on your schedule. If your schedule is not full of people, then that's a problem. You want your schedule to be full of people. It's what we do. So sometimes when I'm working with new people, they're like, oh, well, my schedule's so full. But that is what we do. We have a full schedule. We see people. All the stuff we learned and, and applied has to be applied towards people. So your schedule will be full of people. So be proactive and work to fill it up. But that's what we do. We see people. Number four, the people who came before you wrote the rules. So don't try to change the rules when you first get there. There's reasons there are rules. And sometimes those rules don't make any sense when you're brand new at a place. And you're thinking, why do I have to write this? Or why do I have to do that? Usually there's always a good reason for it. A lot of times the rules are written by insurance companies. They're written by different government agencies for reasons. They're there and they're there to help sometimes maintain a certain level of quality therapy and to maintain a operating procedure for quality of therapy and to keep standards at a certain level. Also rules is there to maintain some financial accountability, but don't go in and think you can change them all because the rules were written for people who got there before you did, who've been doing this a lot longer than you have. And there's usually good reasons for them. Now I'm not saying don't pay attention and I'm just saying, oh, it's a rule. I just follow it. And I'm like a robot. I'm not saying that at all because any good place that you work for is going to want to at some point have some input from you, especially after you watch for a while, observe, follow the rules, stick with the plan. And then after you've been doing this for a while, and I mean a while is like a year, talk to your boss and say, hey, I noticed we do this this way and that way and that way. And I understand why we do it. And I got it and I've been doing it. But I thought about this idea and I think we can tweak this a little bit and make it easier. I mean, they're going to probably be high-fiving you up and down the hallways at work if you do that. But because you followed all the rules, you have an appreciation and respect for the people who got there before you by learning them, following them, doing them. And then all you're doing is adding to it to help make it better for other people. But remember, people who got there before you wrote the rules. Also, understand this one thing too. The rules constantly change. So you need to know them because think about this. You know, a while back we had ICD-9 codes. They've all changed to ICD-10 codes. That's a change of rules. Speech and language evaluation codes. There was the 92506. That 92506 is no longer in existence. We have all new speech and language evaluation codes. The PT and the OT evaluation codes recently have changed. So you need to have understanding and respect for the rules and why they're there. And then you need to also know they change. And so you got to go with it sometimes. And sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with the place you work. It just has to do with the fact that we work for people who pay us and we have to get paid and they have rules for things. So there we go. Tip number five, billing codes. Usually in graduate school, there is very little that people tell you about billing and how to bill and what to bill. It is really key. Accurate billing is essential. It's so important. And so you've got a lot to learn about billing. So when you're right out of graduate school, you don't really know what you're doing with billing. And Unless you've had some kind of phenomenal CI who's just usually not the normal. So billing has got to be accurate. It's also got to be timely. There's nearly no other way. You do what you got to do for that child that day, what you know to do. You document exactly what you did and then you bill accurately according to what you did. And normally people have trouble with that part, billing accurately for what they did. They usually underbill. They don't bill everything they did or like, eh, I don't know if I should really bill for that. Well, you should bill for that. Because if you don't bill for it, you can't document for it. And then it didn't really happen. And you need to document what you did accurately every single time for every single patient. That isn't an option. 
as part of our ethical standards for speech, OT, or PT. We have to document what we do. And so you need to bill it exactly what you did, and it's got to be accurate. Which brings me to another little thing, daily notes, along with the billing. We have to write daily notes as part of what our standard of conduct says for to be licensed as an occupational a speech or a physical therapist. You have to write a daily note. It's called a daily note for a reason because you need to keep them done daily. So keep your billing up to date and accurate when you don't know, ask because you're not going to know. And daily notes, keep them done daily. Tip number six, make it better. So whatever situation you go into, it's always good to observe, to figure out what is happening in the situation, and then help make it better. But fully understand what is going on, you know, and then how you can help make it better. That doesn't mean going in there like a wrecking ball and, oh, let's fix this. And remember, I talked about the rule thing earlier, but that doesn't mean you can't make things better. You can make things better. A small, little, tiny way to make things better, just even at the end of each therapy day, is to take a sanitizing wipe, wipe down every hard surface, wipe down the doorknob, wipe down the light switch. Nobody may notice for the first month or the first two months, but eventually, whoever the boss is there, they're going to notice. You wiping down the light switch tells them you care and you're trying to make it better. I can work with that. That's awesome. Make it better. Taking out the trash in your room, that makes it better. You know, that's what we do for the kids we see. We try to help kids and families get better. And how do we start with doing that? We start with the eval. And a lot of the evaluation at first is observing, understanding, hey, how does this work? How does the child tick? What's happening here? We watch and we look, we listen. You know, that's making things better. So always going with a mindset of a situation of I'm going to make it better, which means understand what's happening there first, integrating into the organization, and then figuring out little ways you can make things better. Tip number seven, when you don't know, ask. And a lot of times, I ask this question all the time, how do you ask for help? I ask that to people all the time because my assumption is anybody is hired new here, they're not going to know everything. I don't think they should know everything. They're brand new here. So ask because there are some things they may have questions about in terms of speech, OT, or PT, but there are some things they're not going to know that's just like PDT related. Like, hey, I work in this organization. This works different than other places. So ask, you know, and know how you ask for help. And also know the source you're going to. So Googling it is okay in some situations, but the answers for how things work at, say, PDT isn't on Google necessarily. Sometimes the only person that might know the thing is who knows the answers, whoever the people report into. So ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Just ask. It also indicates that you're listening and that you want to learn and you want to get better. Why that tells me people are listening is they know enough to ask a question. If they aren't listening, they don't know enough to ask the question. So ask. Tip number eight, don't gossip. We have a no gossip policy at PDT. And I got all of that from Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is a business leader. He does a podcast called Entree Leadership. And he's got great podcasts, great information, great books. But he's the one who introduced me to the concept of no gossip in the workplace. I never knew that was an option, but it is. So no gossip. Gossip is defined as you telling somebody something negative that they really can't do anything about. So for example, say you're doing your thing in the morning, you're working all morning, you're writing your ZFC clients back to back all day. You sit down to eat your lunch and you're eating your lunch and then you're also going to get your daily notes and your billing done for that morning. And so you're sitting down and you're doing your thing and eating your lunch and you're having a great day. And then your coworker comes and sit down next to you and they say, how in the world am I going to get all this done? I don't know how they expect me to get my daily notes done and get my billing done, all of this thing. And I've got this kid or this adult or whoever the client was, they did this and they did that. Well, 
they've just told you you work for an organization that doesn't really care about your time and your time management and gives you too much to do. You can't change any of that stuff. And none of that stuff really sounds accurate to me anyway. That person is obviously having a difficulty with their own time management and they need to ask, tip number seven, they need to take it to their supervisor and ask, hey, I'm having trouble managing my time and I'm having trouble getting this stuff done. Can you help me? Don't gossip. Don't tell somebody something negative that they can't do anything about. That's only going to hurt you and hurt them. And honestly, whoever's in charge knows that's what's going on and it doesn't make anything better. So go ask the source and don't gossip. Understand what gossip is and don't participate in that. And if somebody is gossiping, it is wasting your time. And your time is way more valuable than that. And it's very disrespectful to you in your time. So tell them, you know what? I don't know about the whole daily note thing, but I tell you, if you go ask whoever's in charge, I bet they can help you. And I bet you money they can. And they probably would love to. So let them do it. Tip number nine. This is my phrase that I've coined this phrase. It's called the six-month hump. Here's what happens. Most time with new graduates from school, they're used to sort of changing their body flow and changing the way they work every semester. You know, if you think about it in school, every semester you work hard, you get like a little break, and then the next semester you get all new classes, you get to walk a different way to class, you have new books, you get to see new teachers, you park your car in a different place, you eat lunch at a different time. Your whole world kind of changes, and so your body kind of gets into this rhythm of every four months break new plan, new strategy. Well, when you're working, you get to that four to six month hump and you realize because the shiny starts to wear off of you because up until then, about six months, you're still shiny. Like you're new, like, oh yeah, she's new. She's new here. Get to six months. You're not so shiny anymore. Only you're still new. You still are not so great at writing daily notes. You're not so great at writing your vows. There's still going to be clients that come in the door when you're like, oh, Bessie, what in the world? I do not know. I think I've seen somebody that looks sort of kind of like this. I might have heard about this in some random class. I do not know what I'm doing with you. But you're not shiny anymore and your schedule's full. And it's called the six-month hump. That's usually where people go and they get to be overwhelmed. And part of that also, I think, is you're also realizing, like, these are the same people. I'm still parking in the same parking lot. I'm still putting my lunch in the same refrigerator. Like, these people are still here. My, the schedule didn't reset. It's Groundhog Day. Oh, my good gosh. We're still showing up the same thing, same ways. These people are still here. And it's called working. And, yes, they're still here. And the only way to get through the six-month hump is to keep doing it. Like, just be like Nike and just do it. Because you can't get better at writing a daily note unless you write bunches of them. You can't get better writing a vowel unless you just keep writing and writing a bunch of them. And you can't get better at therapy unless you just keep doing it and keep trying to asking questions and figure out how you can be a better therapist. So you just got to do it and you just have to also understand, hey, this is a job. Nobody hits the reset button at Christmas break. So you kind of get tired. So you have to sort of just tell yourself that. You have a skill set that most people in the world don't have. And that's huge. And you can really help people. And you're excited and passionate about that. That's why you went to school to be a therapist anyway. Own it. That's awesome. So understand, like, hey, look, you got a real job with benefits. I mean, at PDT, we've got, you know, your medical and your dental and your IRA. And you've got a real job. So understand that that's a big deal. I can remember vividly during my first year of work, and I was sick the whole first year of work, like most people are, not like sick sick, but just like I had this cold the last of the entire year because my immune system was getting built up because I was seeing all these people. So generally speaking, I'd hit the four to six month hump, and I really wasn't feeling 100%, but I wasn't sick enough to like be sick and stay home, but I really wasn't 100% because I just sort of had this cold that lingered for like four months. And so I can remember walking to work one day and thinking, good gosh. They're still here. These people aren't changing. Like, what's up? And I realized I'm at the six-month hump. 
you just got to sort of power through that little time period because nobody's hitting the reset button at Christmas break. Tip number 10, your entire first year is a continuing education class because really you're building a foundation of skills. That's what your first job is. You're building foundational skills. You've picked a career, not a job. You've gone to school. You've put time, energy, effort, money, blood, sweat, tears into you and your career, and you've graduated, and that's a huge accomplishment, a huge accomplishment. Think of all the people who didn't get in graduate school. You're one of the very few who did, and that's major. It says a lot about you, and you're finished. A lot of people didn't finish, and you've gotten a first job. A lot of people haven't done all those things. You have, but you got a lot to learn, and so you really want to pick a job where you can build those foundational skills, but you're really learning how to be a therapist, and you're learning how to work, so that is one big, long CEU. Focus your CEU energy and effort on that, not on another class, because the people who you work for know it's one big long CEU and when you request to go to the one usually they're thinking what this is not enough because you're just six months in I tell you if you tell that to somebody who's in charge they will be like yeah it is man and they gonna high-five you and they're gonna help you learn more so when I started this podcast I said there was 10 things all new therapists should know about their first job well this is bonus number 11 when you're looking for a job Look for where you have the opportunity to learn and grow and develop. So you want to have mentoring and training, for sure, training, training. But there's a difference between being spoon-fed versus the opportunity to learn. Don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to do something that you haven't done before with help and support. Don't be afraid to just get outside your comfort zone. You may love outside your comfort zone. First home visit I went to, I told you I love a home visit. I got ringworm. First home visit I went to, ringworm. And I didn't know what the heck the thing was. Had this big circle on the side of my face. I thought it was a spider bite. But Hazel was a teacher at school and she looked at me and she said, Honey, you know you got a ringworm on the side of your face? I thought I would just shrivel up and die. I freaked out, but didn't shrivel up and die. It's all good. But I love a home visit. I got a ringworm. That's not so much fun. But I didn't get it again. <laughs> but it's okay. It didn't kill me. So understand what's opportunity. Don't look to be being spoon-fed, but look for the opportunities. Look for the opportunities to learn and to grow and develop yourself because it's a career, not a job. You need to look for people who can teach you, but you got to meet them halfway. Ask questions. Be interested. Take notes when they're talking. And also talk to them about your plans up front. You know, this day and time, I work with lots of people who are in that millennial age group. And one of the things is, I mean, the world's got a lot smaller. People don't stay at one position. And that's okay. You know, I like for people to stay at least two years because I feel like it takes two years right out of graduate school to get a good foundation built. But hey, I understand that people move around. That's just kind of normal nowadays. But I like it if they'll just go ahead and talk to me about it and say, hey, so this is kind of my plan. This is what I want to do. This is what I want for myself. I can work with that. That's great. It's up front. It's out. We know what we're working with and there's no confusion or no gray area. So look for the job where you have the opportunity to learn and then be upfront about it and communicate about, hey, look, I'm looking to grow, I'm looking to develop. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to learn. This is what I'm willing to give back to the organization as I'm learning and growing. And I think you'll get 10 times more out of it. Okay, those are my top 10 things plus one that I think all therapists should know about their first job. These are things that I wish somebody had told me a long, long time ago. I would not have fallen on my face as many times as I did <laughs> and as I have if someone had said these things to me because they're really important. It really will help to succeed. Um, they will be high-fiving you in the street and just like singing your praises if you do these things and pay attention to that. It's really key. 
I enjoyed our time together. Thanks so much for listening. Check out more information on our workingtherapist.com website. You can see all the podcasts we've done. We've got OTPT speech. So check those out. Lots of good information, all free for you. And you can also check out therapy resources on our website at pediatricdt.com. We have got toys on there and intervention strategies, videos, good information for therapists to have. So check that one out too. Thanks everybody for listening. And I'll catch you next time on another episode of Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 